Chalkcast on the Chalk episode eight. I'm back. We're live uh, in person. No Skype this week because we are back in Champaign. Isaac, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How was your break? It was good. It was good. You ate, ate plenty of turkey. Watched plenty of football. Oh, Time yeah. to dive into hot stuff. Yeah. Um, so today we're recording this on Monday, uh, the 26th, and big news today. Finally, the first big uh, move of the off season. The first big signing. We had a couple trades. We had a big trade last week. But first signing, Josh Donaldson signs a one-year uh, with the Atlanta Braves, $23 million. It makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. Absolutely makes a lot of sense there. The bringer of rain back in Atlanta has a chance now to really help this organization take a big step forward. And this is a team that needed a middle-of-the-order bat while they went out and got one. And that's when you, when you have that low-risk, high-reward, and you have that ability to really just pay a man $23 million to have him yeah. walk in and play third base and hit cleanup for you. That's a really good problem to have. And I think that the the relationship that he had with the general manager of the Atlanta Braves, um, they both had time together at, at Toronto, which is a factor. Mm-hmm. Donaldson grew up a Braves fan. Those all play into it. And, and it's a great signing. And now you look at the possible Braves lineup, and you have Acuna, Albies, Freddie Freeman, who was in the mix or an MVP yeah. uh, discussion last year, and then Donaldson as your top fourth. That's as good as a four as you're going to find in the National League. Yeah, I mean, then you throw in like Ender Enciarte in there. Dansby Swanson will be down there uh, if he can get a little bit going with the bat this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that top four, the Braves were already favorites in the NL East after just winning it this year. Now they're definitely solidified in that place. Uh, but I like the move. Donaldson... At third base, that's where he's going to be. So now you look at what's going to happen to Johan Camargo. He was really good the last two years. He had about 800 OPS over the last two years. Was above average in, in terms of OPS plus the last two years. Um, you know, it maybe displaces him a little bit, but he can play second, short, uh, left, and right field as well as third base. So the Braves do have an opening in right field with Nick Marcakis probably leaving. So, you know, putting Camargo in the outfield – Sure, it could go fine. It could also be a disaster. But at the end of the day, you can never have enough good players. Camargo's a good player. Donaldson is a good, potentially great addition to this team. So I, I like the move for the Braves. I think it really solidified the, solidifies them as contenders. And it's kind of like a little bit of a Band-Aid for, for the Braves. Sure. Because it covers up a little bit of Camargo. I mean, he's young. Camargo's young. He's going to be a really good player. But and you, he covers that up and covers the flaws a little bit to let Donaldson take over. And then he's only here a year. And Camargo can pop right back in. And I do I do agree with you. I do think that Camargo could be a good fit in right field. It would be very interesting to see what they do with Dansby Swanson because Camargo can play some shortstop, too. He can he has a good glove. Yeah. Swanson, if, if Swanson continues to struggle, struggle, Camargo could move to shortstop and then they figure out the right field situation. But great move by the Braves. Fixes a lot of their, you know, some of their power issues. Freeman and Donaldson in the middle of that lineup is terrifying. Yeah. And they're going to be a force in that East, and they have a very good chance to repeat as NL East champions. No, they definitely do. And, you know, let's say Donaldson can't stay healthy, whatever. Like you said, this is a Band-Aid move because you expect if he busts out, you just let him go then. If he craters, he can't stay healthy. Production is what he used to be, whatever. If he's great and then you decide, all right, we don't want to afford him. We don't want to give him a long-term deal after this. Fine. Because you have Austin Riley in the minors who you have as your number five prospect in the organization. You see him as a pretty good prospect. He's number 43 overall, uh, according to MLB Pipeline. 
uh, as of the last update. So that's someone who you expect to be a contributor at some point. Now you can push his development back another year, even though he did slash 294-365-22 across three levels last year. So either way, this is a win-win for the Braves. I, I agree, and then as we kind of look at what this means for the rest of baseball, that kind of shows you the Braves' aggressiveness to get out in front of this thing and take care of business early in this offseason yeah. sets the stage now for Harper. It sets mm-hmm. the stage because now no one knows that Donaldson's like their backup option anymore. He, Donaldson's right. gone. The, that's the second best free right. agent on the market right now if you're looking for a big bat. So every eye goes to Harper. Every Harper single Machado. one. And Machado. And Machado. I forgot about the Machado. Mm-hmm. So the, those two are the only two guys, and there's no backup option anymore. It, it's 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 Harper, Machado, or bust. Yeah. And that's why I think the price of Harper and the price of Machado could really get high here because of this move and because the Braves were aggressive and took him off the market right. before things really got rolling in the winter meetings. Right. I think this starts to kick... You know, we've had a lot over the last few weeks, just rumors and not really substantial connections between players and teams. Um, I think this is something that gets people going, gets general managers going, because like you said, Donaldson was a fallback option for a lot of teams. Um, And now it's like, all right, here's Harper and Machado. And then it falls off because there's no Donaldson in the middle tier there. Uh, It's really interesting that the Braves are setting this off because I saw them more as a a team that would sit back and kind of take their time picking certain guys because they were a young team that had just won the NL East. They didn't really have a sense of urgency. They know they have time on their side. And now here they go and they go get Donaldson. It's so Cubs 2015-2016. This is exactly what it is. The Cubs in 2015 are exactly like the Braves were last year. They did a little bit better than what they expected to. That's kind of a year ahead of this rebuild in their schedule. Now they go, okay, now we're adding people. Now we're making this yeah. we're making this a legit thing. And Donaldson's legit. Bringing back, you know, Brian, Brian McCann. Bringing back him Brian back McCann is a, is a solid move for them. A one-year, $2 million deal. Again, low-risk, high-upside thing well, there. Because that's a guy who's hit 300 home runs in his career, and he has, right. he's a masher on the left side. Right. You're not expecting anything really from him, and that's what the $2 million shows. Going back to Atlanta, you know, where he started his career, good for him. They have Tyler Flowers there. Now they have a nice little platoon that they can use with those two. Um, so, yeah, the Braves are really kind of putting these pieces together maybe a year ahead of time. But, again, like back to what we said with Donaldson, if he craters and doesn't give you what you thought, you still have 2020 through the next five, six years even after that because you have guys like Riley. They have a ton of young pitchers. And then obviously Acuna. And Elvis. look, if Donaldson gets hurt or Donaldson's ineffective, they could easily buy out his contract or ship him off at the trade deadline. Yeah. Easily. And and that, that's a very realistic thing. So very interested to see what the Braves do and very interested to see if Donaldson is fully healthy. Because when he is fully healthy, he's one of the best power hitters in the game and one of the better th- third basemen in the game as well. Yeah, I mean, from what, 2015 to 2017, he was, uh, I think, according to Fangraph's war, he was the second best position player next to Mike Trout. And so he was a guy that won an MVP. They, we all thought that going into this offseason, three years ago we thought this offseason Donaldson would be a guy that was looking at five years and $100 million. Like We thought he would be someone who was well sought after. He still was to an extent, but he wasn't getting nearly the valuation that we thought, and now the Braves maybe get him on a steal. And I'll tell you this, this hurts the Cardinals big time. Yes. This is a crushing blow to the Cardinals because if you go around that organization and you go hey one year 23 million dollars for Josh Johnson everyone would have signed up for that yeah 
and the Braves got him because they had the relationship. Right. That hurts. The Cardinals should have been involved with Donaldson. They, they were involved with Donaldson. That made sense. Mm-hmm. And they sniffed around him at the trade deadline last year. Right. But ultimately, the Braves come in and get him. And I, I think the Cardinals really missed an opportunity here for a low-risk, high-upside move like the Braves just did. This moved a lot quicker than I thought. I didn't think it'd be a one-team swoops in. You wake up to a headline that, okay, or you know, you wake up or you see in the middle of the day that, all right, this is happening. Like, here we go. I thought this would be something that would at first happen like, all right, the Braves are in contact with Donaldson. They're close on a one-year deal, which would then, I figured, would turn into this team is jumping in. This team is jumping in. And it would be an extended process. But now here you go. The Braves finish it up in a couple hours. Um, So, yeah, it hurts the Cardinals. I'm surprised there wasn't more connection there. But it certainly seems like the Braves said, all right, here's $23 million. Let's go. Let's do this thing. And other teams hadn't really – figured they out their valuation yet. They were on the Harper and Machado train. Right. They were on the okay, let's go there and we'll get we'll get to we'll get to Donaldson right. later. And that's why I think this Braves moves was really ballsy. I think it mm-hmm. was a smart smart move by that organization to get after it early. You know, they they talk about how it's Cyber Monday, you get a little deal there. Yeah. They they paid some money today. They dropped 25 million dollars on the table today, but they got two really solid pieces that will help them make a run. And now the Cardinals and now the rest of baseball have to switch to look at Harper. They switch to look at a guy like Manny Machado. Right. And now the pitching also becomes very important. And the Cardinals have been linked to Andrew Miller mm-hmm. alongside the Phillies and alongside the Mets. That's two NL East teams that look at the Braves and go, oh, the Braves are going out and getting Donaldson and they're going to bring back uh, their catcher, McCann. McCann. Now we got to add something. Now we have to respond. And that's why I think this could be the domino effect moving forward. Yeah. Well, specifically with the Cardinals, like it would always seemed like they were going to pursue Harper and Machado, and then Donaldson was going to be their sec- their step B, not even plan B, step B. Like it was a multi step process. Step one was going to be Harper or Machado, and step two was going to be Donaldson. Now that's gone. I'm sure that's the same for a lot of other teams. I think. The Braves going and getting Donaldson kicks a team like the Cardinals into a sense of urgency, kicks a team like the Phillies especially into a sense of urgency because the Phillies hung around there for a little bit and then they kind of fell off and they've been sniffing around Kimbrell and Corbin and, these, and even Harper and now they're like, all right, crap, like we got to do this. We got to make this happen now because the Braves are g- kicking into high gear already. And that's the thing though. I don't think the car- this makes this changes the needle for the Cardinal. I don't think this moves the needles for the Cardinals because they are so stuck in their ways of doing what they do and going through their evaluation process mm-hmm. and valuing trades over valuing free agency. But yes, I agree with you on the Phillies. Like I think the Cardinals are going to not really be in you know, it's not going to move the you know, it's not going to make them become these uber aggressive team anymore. Right. But the Phillies definitely will. The Mets definitely will. Why? Because they're unstable organizations. Right. The Cardinals are much more stable, set in their ways. The Phillies and the Mets, they're kind of floundering right now in what they want to do, and that's why a, 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 you know, a signing like this, a free agent splash like this, could really force them into action and maybe a, a little bit pr- too premature. We're not sure yet. Yeah, it's the thing with the Phillies and the Mets, though, like the Phillies are like a step away. They're a piece away, it feels like. It felt like that last year's certainly. The Mets are trying to find some kind of stabilizer because it feels like their organization's falling apart. You're right. The Cardinals are usually level-headed, but I think that the Cardinals know that the Phillies could step in on Harper, going back to Harper, 
the Phillies could step in there and go, all right, here's 10 years, 400 million, give him an offer he can't refuse. And I think the Cardinals are aware of that. They're aware of the money Philadelphia can throw around. So I do think this maybe moves the needle a bit for the Cardinals front office because they have said the right things. And granted, we've seen that before, but they are aware that they've missed the playoffs three years in a row. They've just fired their manager. in years, decades. They just fired their manager midseason for a reason. You know, they're in need of a a big move to bring the fans back, to bring the fans' trust back. Because right now, the fans don't trust the organization, and the fans are expecting the Cardinals to do nothing. So if you go get Harper and you say, all right, we're all in on this, like we're trying to do this thing instead of just sitting back on what we have because we're aware of the state of the MLB, I think they might do that. I still think that the Cardinals are probably second in the race right now next to Philadelphia. See, I remember when we did our predictions for where Harper's going to be, and I yeah. you know, I kind of went with the Cardinals just to mm-hmm. stir things up, stir maybe stir the pot a little bit, right? The more this drags on and the, the closer this gets to the winter meetings and closer to this all, all this thing's happening, I just don't see it happening. I, and I understand your point. It should happen. The mm-hmm. Cardinals should be involved. It would be an awesome signing for them. But I just have seen over the years, the biggest free agent signings that they've had are Dexter Fowler and Jason Hayward. Or not not, not free, free agent. No, he, Jason Hayward wasn't was a free trade. agent, but it was a trade. But yeah. it was Dexter Fowler and Brett Cecil. That's it. It's not good. That's it. Those, like are that. Your, those are your, I'm sorry, Mike Leake. Yeah, that's what that's the type that's of player your that you're at. Gone. That's the type of player that you're at. So when you have those three guys that have all floundered, mm-hmm. not one of those guys did well with with your big, you know, hey, let's throw the money at the situation right. here. That's what you know. Tw- once burned, twice as careful. The, yeah. You know that saying. That's what I feel like the Cardinals are going to be yeah. like that in that situation, yeah. which is why I think it goes to Goldschmidt for them because they want to trade. They they prefer to trade. They would much rather yeah. they would much rather trade than throw money at a thing because they don't want to get stuck in the future with their assets. You can find another reliever. You can find and draft another good pitcher. But when you have all that money on the table, when you're the Mariners right now that are hamstrung because of the contract with Robinson Cano, when you're the Angels who are hamstrung because of the contract to Albert Pujols, that's the the situation the Cardinals desperately want to avoid. But. I mean, even going into this offseason, we all knew that Harper isn't that type of free agent because he's five years younger than Pujols and Cano both were when they signed those deals. They were both 31. Harper's 26. Um, so I, I still think that when it's a player like Harper, as young as he is, as talented as he is, money, you have no problem burning through that, especially with teams getting extra revenue now um, through TV deals, national broadcast deals, all kinds of different stuff through – Major League Baseball itself, not even counting their local TV deals. So I think money you can make up for with Harper. You trade for Goldschmidt and you give up someone like Dakota Hudson and then he and then Goldschmidt walks and you don't get anywhere. Let's say you make it to the divisional series, maybe the championship series. You do anything but win a World Series after giving up premium assets for Goldschmidt, sure. then it, it doesn't work. But that's the conundrum that the Cardinals are in. Do you possibly give up a Dakota Hudson, or do you have a 10-year, $350 million contract on your books? That's the difference. That's what they have to weigh. I love Dakota Hudson's upside. I don't yeah. think I, – I think Carson Kelly has a very high upside as well because we all know that Yadi Molina will probably not be here after 2020. Right. Right? So I love both of those pieces. I think that they are both guys that are very, very good, 
but let's be honest, they're replaceable. Andrew Kneiser is at double A and triple right. A raking, and he's a catcher right behind Kelly. Mm-hmm. Dakota Hudson, yeah, he's a great player, but you got Daniel Ponce de Leon. You have Austin Gomber. You have other arms right. in this organization. You spit out pitchers like nothing. Yeah, you get you get the next one through. You you don't just get three hundred and fifty million dollars. You know, you don't just replace three hundred and fifty million dollars. So that's that's kind of where that's the tough, tough spot that the Cardinals are at. Personally, I think going all in on Harper would do exactly what you said. Bring the fans back in, give this organization some juice, and be that missing piece, be that missing, you know, bopper in the middle mm-hmm. of that lineup that would make all the two and six hitters like Paul DeYoung and Harrison Bader and and you know Tyler O'Neill and guys like that. That that would make it click. That would make that mesh. But until you get to that stage and until you get to that point, you have to be very, very careful with what you do because you're talking not just about this year or next year. You're talking about a decade that you could you, you could mess up if something went wrong. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously – I mean, both sides of that argument, Goldschmidt versus Harper, I mean, each comes with their risks. Obviously, each yep. comes with their rewards. I just think the Harper, you potentially have – more reward with that because I, I agree with you too. But I mean, yeah, uh, the Cardinals have also been linked to Andrew Miller, so we could talk about that for a second because valuing him is a very tricky thing because he, for what three four years there, he was one one of if not the best reliever in the league. Uh, obviously, in 2016, what he did with the Indians was phenomenal. Was hurt last year. Wasn't very good in 2017. The Cardinals do need a lefty reliever because of. Uh, because of Cecil and just how that hasn't worked out. Ineptitude, yeah. and then you, trading for Jason Shreve, who's been okay, but had a four ERA, right. over four ERA. Right, you've been looking for stability there because... Since also, Randy Choate. Yeah, because even Zach Duke, you tried him out for a while, didn't go that great. I think if you can get Miller for the right price on like a two-year deal, then I think you do it because there it's kind of like Donaldson. There's upside there, but Miller's also been ineffective slash hurt the last two years, so it's hard to value him. See, and that's the thing. His last contract was four years, $36 million, so he's getting $9 million a pop. Mm-hmm. That's where I think that the Cardinals coming in with a two-year $20 million deal would be good. He's 34 years old. He is effective when he's on his game. He is probably the, a top four or five reliever in baseball. Right. Um, him and Kimbrell and, and Kenley Jansen and Aroldis Chapman are, you know, those. that's, right. the, that's the group that, that Andrew Miller is in. So if you're going to go out and, and do that, I, I think that that would be a good fit there too. And he goes to that he goes to that guy where you can put him in the ninth inning and be the closer. Right. Or he could be what he's doing in, in Cleveland and be the, you know, couple innings guy, mix and match, come in against the middle of the order in the sixth inning and shut him down for and get you five or six outs because you have Jordan Hicks over the back end. So I, I think it'd be a good fit there. Um, but at 34 years old, I'd be really scared of giving him that third year. Right. I, I think two years is good for me. Yeah. And the thing is with Miller is, you know, there's not like a youthful guy on the – out on the bullpen market. Kimbrough's 31. David Robinson's 34. Adam Adovino's 33. Zach Britton, I think, is 31 or 32. So, you know, either way, you're taking risks with these guys because those are all guys who have had success before, um, some more recent than others. But I think either way, if you're the Cardinals, you're looking at Britton or Miller. I think I trust Britton a little bit more 
But, I mean, it's the same thing. Injuries that's and effectiveness. A good, that's a good discussion there. Zach Britton or Andrew Miller. That might be our next week thing where we, we do our research over the week and come back. You take yeah. Britton, I'll take Miller. Okay. I mean, Britton, Britton got Cy Young votes what, two years uh, ago. Right. So, I mean, but he had his own issues this year too. So, it all depends. I think the Cardinals are bound to get one of those guys just because you, you have to. Because Brett Cecil's probably gone. He doesn't give you anything, so you got to take a flyer on one of these guys because I the mean, last two years the Cardinals have needed stability in the back end. Though. Their bullpen has their bullpen signings have been terrible. Terrible, yeah. Greg Holland was a mess until you got rid of him to Washington. Then he became competent again. Luke Gregerson wasn't good. Didn't play. Barely pitched. Yeah. Barely pitched. You know, and you don't get you know you don't have Rosenthal back anymore. Yeah. So so and you killed Seagrass arm. So Kyle's or uh, even Bud Norris, Kevin Seagrass, even Bud Norris crapped out at the end. Yeah, so had to like, remove him from the closer. You role. you have all of these different issues that you've had with your bullpen. You need stability, and that's the thing. That's where the Cardinals are at. They need stability in this organization. Right. They need stability, and they need stability at the three hole, and they need stability in the back end of the bullpen because you have you have the puzzle pieces to be competent. You don't have the puzzle pieces and the dudes. To win a World Series. I agree. No, I mean, that's the thing. And I think that's why they're kind of feeling that heat, especially since they haven't even been in the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see. They do need that stability. I think I think Jordan Hicks, Hicks could be that at some point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's no Craig Kimbrell, who everyone is in on, because Kimbrell's obviously probably one of, if not the best closer over the last five years. Which brings us to our next thing, because the Phillies have been around Kimbrell as of the Braves, but I am shocked that Boston hasn't re-signed him yet. I thought that would happen rather quickly. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the holdup is there, because I haven't heard much on on whether it's Boston holding up or if it's Kimball being like, yo, dude, I want a little bit more money here. Right. So that that is surprising to me, because I remember, I think it was on episode two or three when we were talking about this, we were saying, hey, Kimball to the 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 Red Red Sox Sox, after this is a done deal. Well, we're a month later. It's dicey now, yeah. We're a month later, and... I would be very super interested if Atlanta gets back in that, and if Atlanta brings him back in. Because if they, they do, that's could, huge. They could. They yeah. could absolutely could, and I think that he'd want to go to a place where he can really thrive. Well, I mean, he's been there before. He was very, very successful there, and so you have to consider it because the Braves, they just made this huge move for Donaldson. They have a decent bullpen, but obviously Kimbrell would be really good for them. Uh I just, again, I'm shocked Boston hasn't done anything yet because it feels like all we've heard about Kimbrell is the Phillies and the Braves. Like, it, I haven't heard Boston's name at all with him, which is, I don't know if they're counting on re-signing Evaldi and making Evaldi the closer, if they're trying to make Drew Pomeranz a reliever. But again... Joe Kelly? Joe Kelly, maybe. He's a free agent too. Haven't yeah. heard anything on him. Again, nobody is Kimbrell. So if you get him for the right price, I mean, he's going to want a massive deal a la what Andrew Miller got a couple years ago at nine per year, you give Kimbrell 440, four years, 40 million, I think that's worth it because, I mean, he's been one of the best, and Boston knows the value he brings. They saw it firsthand. Yeah, and MLB trade rumors did come out with a thing saying that the Kimbrell appears unlikely, highly unlikely, to reunite with the Braves. So that that's kind of out there right now, again, Phillies are very involved with him. I think yeah. that if the Phillies got him, that's a, that's a good, that's a good, good ad for them. Yeah. Um, but 
I still don't see Boston not having him. I still see him suiting up for the Red Sox next year. Just because when you look at Boston right now, they have the lineup, they have the starting pitching, they have the solid 6th, 7th, and 8th inning relievers in the bullpen, and they need that one-star closer, and that's the guy. So I I believe that they'll figure it out. Maybe they're just taking their time right now and just chilling, having their off-season break, and just go to the beach for a little bit, and then we'll come back and do our contract. Because they know that Kimbrell is all on board with being a Boston Red Sox and going to try to win another championship. Right, and obviously you have to figure that he's interested in going back there too because he just got a ring with them and just saw what this team can do firsthand. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, but continuing, talking about the Phillies, because they've been around, like, everyone. They've been rumored. We talked about Harper. They've been rumored to be linked to Machado too, as well as Patrick Corbin, Kimbrell now too. Evaldi. Evaldi. Like, so the Phillies, like I said earlier in the show, it feels like they're a piece or two away, but it feels like they know where they're at. So I feel like that's why they're sniffing around Harper Machado, but also Mike Brantley, AJ Pollock, Corbin, Kimbrell, because the Phillies, Britain, because the Phillies, they started strong and it was them and the Braves there up until probably about mid season. Mm -hmm. And the Phillies kind of fell off a little bit. So Arietta was great for them. Noel's fantastic. Jared Eikhoff's good, too. Nick Paveda's fine. Vince Velasquez is a nice number five. Um, I think that the Phillies have the rotation. I think they have the guys between Odubo Herrera, Nick Williams, Michael Franco, uh, the, Scott Kingery, even Carlos Santana, and then obviously Reese Hoskins, too. These are guys that you can build around. It's just... You need probably one or two more. They need veterans. They need stability, right. and they need older guys because, listen, they finished 80 and 82 last year. They were 31 and 50 on the road. That's horrendous, <sighs> right? That's, that's really, horrendous. That's really bad. They, but it also shows you that they were 49 and 32 at home. Right. 49 that's home wins is third in the National League. That's pretty good. That is an outstanding record at home. So if they get those veterans that can take these youngsters on the road and be able to compete on the road – I mean, all they have to do is win 10 more games on the road, and you're talking about a 90-win team. Yep. And this is also a team that was 44-50 and 50 against teams with over a 500 record. That's 44 wins against teams with over 500 is a better record than anyone else in the NL East. They are the sneaky team. If they add right. a couple pieces, Atlanta's good. Atlanta right. got better today. Yeah. But the, Phil- but the Phillies are not 10 games worse than Atlanta, like the, right. se- like the standings were last year. The Phillies are very much in the conversation with the Braves there for the top of the East. I think that Washington's going to take a step back without Harper because yeah, I don't think obviously. that that's coming back, but I still think they'll be decent. I think that they'll hover around 500. Yeah. But the Phil- Philadelphia Phillies, if they get the right two pieces, and you know, I, I, you see all of these reports and who they're looking at, and I think they need one bullpen piece. And I think they need one big time bat. I think if they got Machado and they got a Kimbrel, that is a team. That's a real if, good team. If the Phillies get Machado, Britton, and Corbin, Ugh. are they the favorites in the NL East? Yes, barely. So? Just because they barely. It it that that would be a fascinating. I think it's just. I I think it would. I think Corbin, what he showed this past year when he kind of broke out and was consistent finally, I think that's more of what we'll see um, from him going forward. Obviously, Machado, we know what he can do. I am inclined to agree with that. It would be very interesting. I think that's why the Phillies are keeping their options open because they know if they just do a little package around Machado or Harper and just add some other supplemental guys, they'd be really good. 
They're, they are very That good. would make the NL East very interesting. Because like you said, the Nationals will still hover around because they still have Strasburg, Scherzer, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, Carter Keeboom, Adam Eaton, uh, Juan Soto. So They very much could get JT Romuto, too. That's true. That would be interesting, too. Yeah. So, I mean, and especially if they miss out on Harper, Real Muto is very interesting to them. Like that, and he's under control. Piece. Plus, <laughs> let's be honest here, it would be really nice for those three teams to get to play Miami and the Mets 38 times a year. That, that helps. That would be helpful. That's extremely helpful. In, in trying to get, you know, trying to close in on 90 wins, it's helped, helpful to play those type of teams that often. Yeah, especially if the Marlins do trade Real Muto, then you could beat up on them even more, uh, probably. You could probably win 15 of your 19 against them. Yeah, <laughs> you would assume so. Um, but the Nats, they'll be okay. I think they're rumored to be in contact with DJ LeMahieu. I think that's a nice supplemental move if they lose Harper. He's just a contact guy, gives you gold glove defense, improves you another couple wins. Um, LeMahieu, I don't think, really moves the needle for you. But, I mean, he's he's a nice piece to kind of... You know, support Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon around and your pitching staff, especially yeah, I, with that defense. I mean, he is a great defender, and what is he? A couple years away from being one of the you know hits leaders in, yeah. in the NL. I I look at second base for him, and you're going to get up against Defoe and Howie Kendrick. Like you can you, you can, can take that see job. him you, taking yeah. that one over. And there's a very good case here that even without Bryce Harper, they're going to be extremely competitive because Adam Eaton's still there. Yeah, Soto and Robles are yeah. two Robles big time outfielders a, to f- build around. Robles only played a handful of games, too. You don't even really know what he can do at the big league level. So there's they, still room for him to get better. They have pieces. Yeah. they. I could see them winning 84 games next year without yeah. Harper. And you know, like as long as you can get up to that, like 88, you're in the wild card race. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're more than just in the wild card race. You have a really good chance to win it. Like, the yeah. Cardinals had 88 wins, and we're out by a game. Exactly. So, like, you're, you have – they have pieces there. They have the foundation, and they have a solid bullpen, too. Don't don't forget about their bullpen. When, when it's rolling, it's good. Sean Doolittle was one of the better pitchers a couple years ago and has, has – He's still decent. Yeah, yeah, he's still a very, very solid pitcher. And, hey, they also have our boy, Greg Holland. They, they also just him. signed Trevor Rosenthal. They also have Trevor Rosenthal bringing all the X cards. Yeah, they are. That is actually kind of weird. Um, but I, yeah, I think the Nationals will be fine. I think the NL East could be very interesting, especially if the Mets go ahead and trade for Robinson Cano, which I don't think that'll happen. But that's a good segue into Robinson Cano talk because we touched on it last week a little bit. But it seems like the Mariners now are actively trying to get rid of Cano in that last five years. Who are they not trying to get rid of, though? Well, DePoto did say their three supposedly untouchable guys are Mitch Hanniger, Marco Gonzalez, and Edwin Diaz. Okay, well, supposedly. I wanted Hanniger and Diaz, so right. I well, guess not. And also, this is Jerry DePoto we're talking about. Who, so The man who loves trading right. like nothing else. Right. He I loves mean, trading more than I love cryptocurrency, he, and that's, that's a, a lot. bold he, statement. He was probably at Thanksgiving trying to trade for the sides of his nephews. The, True. Their meal sides, not their actual sides. That'd be weird. Um, anyway, Cano, I just don't think you can move him, though. $120 million left on his deal. Yeah. It, who wants him? The Yankees or the Mets or the White Sox? Those are the only three teams that would make sense. I, I think he'd be a detriment to the White Sox because they have, they have Abreu at first and they have Palka at DH, and it looks like Palka could be something in that DH spot because you're going to have to move Cano to first base. He can't play second anymore. He certainly can't play a corner outfield spot. He can't so, play third maybe? Eh, I doubt it. So you're looking at a first-base DH situation for Robinson Cano. We talked about he was fine when he came back from his 80-game suspension. 
he was fine. He showed a couple flashes of his old self, but you're not getting the New York Yankees version of Robinson Cano. You're not even getting the first couple years in Seattle of Robinson Cano. So you're essentially taking a flyer. Seattle would have to pay a lot of that contract. I think they'd have to pay $90 million. I mean, you figure. Wouldn't that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you're 120 Yeah. They're, they're going to have to pay at least 80 at least two-thirds of it. But, I mean, and that's just to get some kind of return back in prospects at all. So I, it's going to be interesting. I think the Yankees and the Mets are probably the only options. But the Yankees... They don't want to tap that DH spot because right. they have to do a rotation of Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez and possibly Greg Bird and possibly Luke Voigt. So I don't think they want to tie that up. And at first, I mean, they already had issues with Bird and Voigt at first with the defense. Putting Cano there, who played eight games there all last year, it's not great. I mean, and yeah, he's two years away from 23 home runs and 97 RBIs, but... He's slipped down. The power numbers have slipped and slipped Every year, and yeah. slipped. And granted, Safeco is not a very friendly hitter's park. Yeah, and he blew up for 33, 39 home runs in 2016. I wonder why, though. Uh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> There was a suspension this year. <laughs> there's, just, there's just certain things that you look at and go, he is not the guy that he was in 2010 no. when he hit 29 home runs and then drove in 109. He's not the guy that cranked 33 bombs in 2012. He's not. He's going right. to be 36 years old. Five years left on that deal for $120 million. The Mariners, the best chance for them to do, they could right now is, I don't know, trade them to the Cardinals and give we'll give up Dexter Fowler and kind of yeah, switch those some contracts. Some kind of or salary like. swap. Well, the, uh, the reported deal with the Yankees, or at least what they started to and their talks, was Ellsbury for Cano. Just a straight swap of bad money. Which, I mean, makes sense, I guess. But, I mean, with the Yankees taking on the longer term, edge of that deal, but it's just a weird situation for the Mariners, but you can't do what you want to do with this retool vision unless Cano's not on the team. You can't, and I like that they're keeping Hanniger. I like that they're keeping Diaz. Those are two really great pieces. I think they should do whatever they can to keep Gene Segura. I think that's Mm -hmm. another really good piece there, too, and you know they're they're mentioning about shipping him off uh, to L.A., so yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I just think that I just think that where the Mariners are at right now, they can't get out of. They can't get out of Cano. If they're able to possibly find the Yankees, or maybe a, you know, a team like the Red Sox wants to have him, which I don't know why, but you know, one of those type of big markets with a lot of money that's fine right. to take on that contract, that would make a little bit more sense, and take a flyer on a guy that he could get hot and he could be a middle of the order bat, right. but he isn't the player that he used to be. Right, you'd be betting a lot on him returning to some kind of his old form, which is obviously no given, and that's no guarantee. You're right. I think it'd have to be a big market. Uh, someone that would be willing to eat that money. But it'd be a weird balance for the Mariners because if you have them take all the money, then you're probably getting nothing in prospects. You pay a lot of the money, you get some prospects back, but then you're still stuck with the money. So it's a very interesting situation in, in Seattle. And I'd like to say that even though DePoto has claimed that Marco Gonzalez, Mitch Hanniger, and Edwin Diaz are quote-unquote untouchable, this is DePoto. If he gets an offer that he likes for one of those guys, he'll take it. And we've seen that happen before. So I think that's very much on the table for that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, so that's just the end of the Cano train. I think Seattle's going to have to find some wiggle room. But Isaac just pulled this up as something for us to talk about, too, because we talked a little bit about Goldschmidt to the Cardinals, and we talked a little bit about the Phillies on our own here. Now Jason Stark just tweeted that you can add the Phillies to the list of teams that are 
talking to the Diamondbacks about Paul Goldschmidt. We talked about the Diamondbacks a couple weeks ago and what they could do because if they have if they want to tear it down, they got to tear it down. Um, Goldschmidt obviously has a ton of value. The Phillies getting Goldschmidt, I don't hate it. I actually like that fit. Again, it's kind of that fits that mantra of what we were talking about with they want a star that they can kind of build around uh, with Hoskins and these other guys and then add other supplemental pieces. They certainly have the assets. They'd have to get rid of Carlos Santana. And in Stark's tweet, he says that's why the Diamondbacks didn't take the deal because the Phillies wanted them to take Santana. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, I, I, look both, I look back and forth and I see the Phillies are just trying to get involved with everybody. And it makes me wonder how desperate they are. Like, what's that organization right. like? They're desperate. They are desperate to try to get somebody. So I'm very interested to see how this works. And, you know, if the Phillies are very desperate, the Diamondbacks could take advantage of that. And Paul Goldschmidt could be in a Phillies uniform. And, again, after the Cardinals miss out on Donaldson. And I don't think the Cardinals and Harper are going to work out. I just don't. You don't? I, I just, yeah, I just don't see them dropping 350. Mm-hmm. I, they've never done this before. I just don't see them getting out of character for this, even though I think it would be a smart move. So you think if they miss out on Goldschmidt, then? I think that panic. they, I think that they could, I think that there's a very situ, good situation here where the Cardinals miss out, miss out on Goldschmidt. They miss out on Donaldson, obviously. They miss out on Harper, and they don't want Machado. And they're talking about the same old, same old, where the Cardinals retool their bullpen with a couple <laughs> veterans and convince you that Jed Jerko is going to be the starting third baseman for a team that's going to win the NL Central. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not going to happen. Like that's the frustration that I have. With some some of these things coming out of St. Louis right now, but everything can change with one big time move. Everything can change, and and that's the beauty of a hot stove, and that's the beauty of baseball. Because we're we're all on pins and needles over different tweets by John yeah, Morosi right. or, or or by Ken Rosenthal or Jason Stark. Right, we're all on these uh, on pins and needles, kind of up and down. And all it takes is one push, and all it takes is one player for the Cardinals to get back in the mix with the Brewers and the Cubs. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think Philly's uh, interest in Goldschmidt is real. I think they'll probably revisit that. If they get Goldschmidt, again, like I kind of said with my hypothetical package of Machado, Corbin, and uh, Britain, I think if you get Goldschmidt and a couple other guys, Philadelphia is the favorite in the NL East. But no matter who signs, whether it be Donaldson, Machado, Harper, Goldschmidt gets traded, there is one guy who I had forgotten about and I texted you about because I think Hanley Ramirez could be an actual asset to a team. Oh, boy. And... Go off, now, son. Go off. Adrian Beltre out of the picture. I think the Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> should sign Hanley Ramirez. All right. We need to talk about this a little bit. that fit, it works. They just DFA'd C.J. Crone, which was kind of a weird move. But they just DFA'd Crone. Hanley Ramirez is out there. He's hitting bombs in Japan right now. I think you put him in Tropicana Field. I think he brings some veteran leadership. He's still got some pop. Book it. Let's go. All right. So I have to address one thing before we break down Hanley Ramirez. What is your obsession I don't with know. the Tampa Bay Rays? Why why do you love him so much? Why do you love this organization? Because I feel like your top two teams are the – I mean, obviously, your number one team is the Cardinals. Your number two team, though, is the A's. And three is a very close three is the Rays. You have an obsession with these A's and Rays, and I don't know why. I don't – well – the A's, it's because I you really like... You just watch Rays baseball. I guarantee it. I know I watched that's a, all you I do. watched a lot of Oakland and Tampa Bay games this uh, year. I hate you so um, much. I don't know. The Rays <laughs> are fun. Like, it's just... 
they are an interesting team. They've never like been the con- like conventional. We're gonna go out here and build a superpower with- around superstars. They've always just found these guys like that they just pick from other places. They use the opener uh, as for most of their season. Their one consistent starter was Blake Snell for most of the year. I mean, and um, he just won the Cy Young, so right. kind of decent. And but their other four guys, it could have been anyone <laughs> starting on any other day. <laughs> They're just super interesting to me. All they need is Edwin Jackson to so, be really, really, and, really, and, really, which really they good. might do because he's a free agent this year. Um, but I just think the Rays are always looking at these unconventional guys. So like Hanley Ramirez only played 44 games for Boston this year, 254, 313, 395. Not great, but I mean, he was in 2016, he was 26% above average, uh, for Boston in which he hit 30 home runs. So I think Hanley Ramirez, and even in 2017, his last full season, 133 games had some injuries, but he was still not that much. He was 95 OPS plus. So a couple more hits dropped for him, you know, and he is about a league average player with some pop, which the Rays could use, and they could get him for the cheap. And the Rays could play him at first base too, because right now they have Jake Bowers there, and he's a youngster, 23 years old, but he only hit 201 last year. He did hit 11 home runs and had 48 RBIs in 328 or 23 at bats. So in his rookie season, so he's a solid player. They like him and they can build around him. But I do think that Hanley Ramirez could be a good fit there. And, now that, Adrian, now that Adrian Beltre is not going to the Rays, now you can have your boy Hanley Ramirez on the Rays so you can just watch hours and hours of Rays baseball next summer. Because, hey, look, it, they'll probably win 92 games and be really good, but no one will care about them because the Red Sox and the Yankees are so freaking good. It's so sad that the Rays are trapped in the AL East. But plus, that's also what works because Hanley Ramirez, just he got released by Boston, so going to that division, maybe punishing them a little bit. I could see it. I don't hate it. Hey, and he hits what lefties really well. And who does Boston have? Oh, I don't know. Chris Sale, David Price, kind of, kind of important. See, it works. I'm telling you, Hanley Ramirez in a Rays uniform works. It's not gonna happen, is it? I don't know. I mean, why? Why wouldn't it? He he was a decent contributor for Boston. He was a really good contributor as of two years ago. Even last year, uh, in 2017. He was fine. He was serviceable. So I think you get a little bounce back from him. The Rays are very good at taking these uh, vagabond, these journeyman guys, and getting really good production out of them. All right, that's it. I'm on board. I love it. I'm See, on board. It works. You are the I'm captain of this bandwagon, and I'm just going to sit along and enjoy the ride. I'm telling you. Um, to close it out, though, we won't end it on Hanley Ramirez. Who do you think the next free agent to sign is? Machado. You think he's the next one? Machado or Miller, I think those are the two that I have had the most smoke around yeah. them. I'll go Miller. I'll go Miller. Perfect. I think that I think that Andrew Miller. I think the Cardinals might get him. I really think that that's legit. Yeah. Or the Phillies, and again, it goes back to the desperation. The Braves make the big move. I think Andrew Miller to the Phillies or the Cardinals is the next chip to fall. Yeah, uh, I think Andrew Miller is close. I think Patrick Corbin's probably the next one to go. Because he's the top pitcher on the market right now. Uh, I would have said the Yankees a while ago. Um, but now that they have Paxton, I'm not so sure about that. Because Paxton kind of fills that lefty yeah. role. He's, they're he's, the same, they're they're same player. Yeah. So I, I would have said the Yankees. I think the Angels and the Phillies are a fit now for him. Uh, I think Corbin's the next one to go, though. Because he's the top pitcher. Some team is going to cave and not want to let him get away. Um, because he is a, an actual big league contributor, I was surprised that Donaldson was the first to go. Um, didn't I, see that one. Going. I did. I did not see that one coming. But I think now, like you said, it's a domino effect. We're going to see these guys start to fall. 
excited. Let's get ready for next week. Yeah, hopefully we start getting some hey, more signings. Hey, once a week we get a, something really good to happen. Last week you had the Paxton That's trade. True. Now we have Goldschmidt. So, I mean, I'm not saying that we're the reason that these things are happening on a weekly basis, but, but you can't it say might that be we're the not. reason. All right, well, Isaac, thank you for coming through. Yep. As wow. always, this has been On the Chalk. We will be back next week with another episode for you.